And so the companies that understand that the lifetime value of a customer is so much higher than any individual transaction, if you think through that, then you make different decisions. That's why it's so easy to return things at Amazon. They're asking you to share it, it sort of takes away from the authenticity of it. But the yeah. best shareable content, you don't have to ask. You know, mm -hmm. think about, listeners, think about the last time that you pulled out your phone to take a picture of something. Nobody told you to do it. It's like, that's how our minds are. Like, oh, I gotta grab a picture of this. That's the kinds of experiences we want to create. Welcome to season five of the Making a Marketer podcast with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Now Marketing Group and Extend. This show is for all levels of experience talking marketing and business with the best guests in the industry. It's important to keep up on the latest trends and topics, and this is just the spot. Two guarantees you will learn and laugh. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 96 of the Making Marketer podcast. I am Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing. This show is made possible by Powers of Marketing with a focus on strategic content creation, including podcasts and event production hosting and emceeing. And my wonderful co-host is Miss Jen Cole. Hi, Jen. Hey, how you doing, Megan? Pretty good. So we're recording this on December 22nd. And so it is almost Christmas. We're approaching the new year. And Jen and I both have new jobs in the new year, which is kind of fun. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you're starting to do? Yeah. So right now and going and then starting officially, officially in January, I am now working for an ad agency here in Wichita, Kansas called Gretemann Group. And their specialization is aviation marketing. So kind of a whole new animal for me, but I, I, you know, I've already started working contract for them. Dove in, started a whole new system of communication for planning out social and getting graphics, you know, all that kind of stuff. The system is being set up right now. So on January 3rd, when I start full time, we're going to go full force on this. And I'm, I'm so excited. It's been a fun couple of weeks already just working contract for them. So I can't wait to just be in there full time. Well, and getting back to your main squeeze, which is social yeah. versus you enjoyed your time with Now Marketing Group, right? But you Heck were yeah, more ac managing accounts versus yeah. the managing social, which is um, what you were hoping to get back to. Dude, Very I'm cool. Firing all cylinders right now. It's so exciting. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I want to hear about yours. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't have an official start date yet. And I actually have a few different things I'm starting new in the new year. Yeah. And our listeners have heard me talk about how I've been kind of looking for a new full-time home. It's something that I've been working on for, for a little while, but it had to be just right, right for me to go work for someone else. So yeah, I'm going to be managing executive corporate executive programs. So meetings and events for a company called Event Marketing Partners nice. um, for, for their clients. So yeah, I'm excited. Gosh, and then I have a, a new podcast I'm also going to be hosting, which I can't mention yet because it's not officially announced. And maybe another, I might get hired to host another podcast. So starting the new year, I could potentially be hosting three podcasts, which is that's bananas, amazing. but I love it. It's my Yeah. Favorite. Oh, that's so great. Congrats. <laughs> that's humongous. I'm so excited for Thanks. you, Megan. That is yeah. like, all of it is right there in your wheelhouse. You're going to do some great things. It's been a long road. Let's just say <laughs> yeah, that. So. Sure. All right. Our guest, we'll get to him in a second. No, I'm just kidding. He, uh, <laughs> he said, don't forget, don't forget one of your favorite keynote speakers he mentioned in the chat. So that's awesome. All right. That's a great segue. And we also want to say, since we're three days away from it, our guest today has a birthday on Christmas day. So happy 
happy birthday, Dan Gingis. Happy birthday, Dan. Well, thank you guys. And uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, happy holidays. It's an exciting time of year. And I am so excited to be back on the show with you guys. I had so much fun last time and I'm honored to be back. Fantastic. We are happy to have you back. Let me read your bio. Dan Gingis is an international keynote speaker and coach who believes that a remarkable customer experience is your best sales and marketing strategy. His 20-year professional career included leadership positions at McDonald's, Discover, and Humana. Dan is author of two books, The Experience Maker and Winning at Social Customer Care, and is the host of two shows, The Experience This Podcast and The Experience Maker LinkedIn Live Show. You, of course, can learn more about him at dangingis.com. If you are a regular listener, he was on episode 44. So many, many episodes ago, we talked about how customer experience is marketing and we'll get into that a little bit too. But I also wanted to share, first of all, that I binged the Experiences podcast on Monday. So I listened to it on, on Apple and on like hyperspeed, and it, which was actually, I think, a good pace for the way that you guys talk. But also look what's still happening. On He sent me his book, Advanced Copy, and it has a light bulb on the front and there's an actual light in it. And I thought the battery was dead, but I woke up last <laughs> night and it was lighting in the dark in the room I'm sleeping in. <laughs> Put a little post-it note over the battery and that'll save it so that it, it'll stay off, but then it'll turn on when you want it to. Right. Well, I think the bookmark was still in that spot. And so maybe that's why it wasn't mm. lighting up. But I thought, I thought, oh, well, I guess it's just dead. And then I was like, nope, <laughs> it's on. And we'll, of course, we'll dig in to the book in a little bit. And so to lead into the show, one of your, a quote that I read maybe about your book, I can't remember exactly. A great customer experience strategy is the best way to get people talking about a brand. And so our topic today with Dan is develop influence through shareable content. And we're going to let Jen kick us off with the first question. All right. So Dan, you've had an interesting road that's brought you to where you are in your career now. And what led you to writing your most recent book, we will get into that. Can you share with our listeners how you got to this point with a focus on helping people create remarkable experiences? Sure. Well, I spent more than 20 years in corporate America, mostly as a marketer. I got my start, not to age myself here, but I got my start in direct mail and direct response in newspapers, magazines, et cetera, and really learned just core direct marketing, how to segment and target, how to you know identify the right people for the right product at the right time, et cetera. And I absolutely loved it. So I spent my whole career there. I went to business school. I got a marketing degree as well. And then evolved into the social channels, or sorry, into the digital channels, uh, including social media, email, search, website marketing, mobile marketing, et cetera. And eventually I got to the point where I started feeling like if I never created another marketing campaign again, it would be too soon because it just felt really repetitive to me. And so I started getting into customer experience through one of my roles at Discover Card and really found my passion. And it was not only doing right by the customer, but seeing the tangible results that happen when you do. And I just felt it strange. I felt powerful. I felt like I could make small changes and see big impacts to the business and, and positive impacts to the experience. So today, now that I work for myself since 2019, and I like to say that I enjoy working for the Dan a lot better than I liked working for the man. And I still sit at the intersection of customer experience and marketing. So I'm still a marketer at heart. But my true belief right now is that the very best marketing out there are, is happy customers. And I was driving down the highway 
and I was behind a, a pickup truck and it's from a home builder. And on the back of the truck, it said, our clients are our best salespeople. And I'm thinking, doesn't every company want that? Well, does, don't we all want to be able to say that? And the reason why, without even knowing this home builder, but the reason why their clients are the best salespeople is because they're giving them a great experience. And so it's something that's worthy of talking about. I love that. Working for the Dan instead of working for the man. That's amazing. It's very creative. But yeah, I understand what you're saying about things getting repetitive because I think I literally had this conversation with somebody yesterday about like, oh my gosh, so Christmas is coming around again. What did we, what did they do last year for this client? We don't want to be too repetitive this year. And so I'm so sorry about Olaf barking. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's okay. <to> the door. <laughs> That's real life. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. All right. So as I mentioned, uh, the last time you were with us, we talked about how customer experience is actually marketing. And basically that's that goes to what you just were saying and how they should and now often do work together, but not always, right? So, but there's many levels to this, of course. So in what ways do you think word of mouth marketing has changed over the last several years? Well, I think it started in social media and I think it started as sort of a social activity. Like, can we do something in social media that will go viral, that will get people to talk about us and, and share. And, you know, I always like to joke, if I knew how to create a viral video, I wouldn't be doing what I do right now, right? I would just be counting my Benjamins from all of the uh, all the money I would have made just creating viral videos. So to me, it's not that. You can catch lightning in a bottle. And uh, there's some examples in the book of, I think, companies that that did, that, that inadvertently created some of the best social media posts they ever had, but it actually resulted in, or it started with something going wrong. Like it was a, something in the, in the customer experience went wrong and they decided to go make light of it. And that became the viral post, right? And so it was completely unplanned. And I do think, especially today, people are craving more authenticity. They're craving a human relationship. Man, we spent so much time not being able to have to human relationships that it's become so much more critical right now. And so the way to create word of mouth marketing reliably without having to depend on, on that, that lightning in a bottle of a viral video or whatever it is, is to use your customer base. And uh, the book really focuses on this research that found that customers are more willing to share positive customer experiences than negative ones. It's just that most people can't remember the last time a brand exceeded their expectations. And how sad is that? But two thirds of Americans say that. And so I think that's the open space, the wide open space for companies is that if you can create a positive experience for people, they are dying to share that. They love, people love sharing when good things happen to them, right? I mean, it's like, that's part of the, the beauty and the tragedy of Instagram, right? Is that, is that what we share is the positive stuff. And so as companies, we can put ourselves in a position to create those kinds of experiences that are inherently shareable. No doubt. And um, we'll get into this a little bit later. And there, a lot of them are missing the mark, right? Like there's not nearly enough brands and companies, I think, that are capitalizing um, on that. And so we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And of course, the, the company name that I have heard over and over and over again, and I know that you guys have talked about it, of course, on your podcast is Chewy. You know, mostly when my friend's dogs have passed away and they still got their food shipment and they're like, no, donate it you know, keep it, keep it, donate it or give it to a friend who needs it or, or whatnot. And the most interesting thing about that to me is that they're not doing it because they want it to be shareable. They're doing it because of the core value of the business. 
And then that is what's carrying through to the customers and getting them more and more customers. It's awesome. I actually- uh, the, other, the other reason, go ahead, sorry. No, I was just asking if they're public. <laughs> Buy shares. Uh, they are public, <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Simple C-H-W-Y, if I'm not mistaken. But the other reason they're doing it and the other company that's so good at this is Amazon is that Chewy understands the concept of lifetime value of a customer and that the lifetime value is always going to be higher than the individual transaction. And so anybody out there that sells products, if you want to make it difficult for people to return your product, be my guest, but they're going to be a one and out customer because as soon as they can't return their product, I just had this, I bought a shirt for my son from a company that I didn't actually realize was based in the UK. I just went online and I ordered it and they shipped it. And now I need to return it because it was the wrong size. And they're telling me that I have to send it back to the UK on my own dime. And it's like, oh, okay, the post is just going to be more than the shirt. And okay. so... I'm never ordering from them again. And so the companies that understand that the lifetime value of a customer is so much higher than any individual transaction, if you think through that, then you make different decisions. That's why it's so easy to return things at Amazon. And I've had a case I explained in the book too, where uh, you know I got a set of pots and pans and there was one lid that came that was shattered. And I called up Amazon because I just wanted them to give me another lid. That's all I was looking for. And the lady was like, look, honestly, I don't know how to get you another lid. So instead, I'm just going to refund your money and keep the pots and pans. And my emotion goes from being sort of irritated that the lid was broken to being like, well, free pots and pans. Who cares about an extra <laughs> lid, right? It, it completely changed is the mindset and then it reiterates to me why I love Amazon and why I spend so much money with them. So yeah, they lost money on that transaction, no question. But they also probably, I would guess easily, I've made 500 purchases since then. So at the end of the day, it was a good investment. Same thing with Chewy. They're not dummies, right? They understand that when someone's pet dies, that more than likely in the next six months, they're going to get another pet, right? And so they're going to come back to Chewy and they understand they're investing in the future relationship and in the entirety of the relationship. They're not just saying, you know, oh, well, it's, it's, you know, we can't lose money on this one bag of dog food. So we're going to, you know, figure out a way to make the customer pay for it. Right. Absolutely. I love this conversation so much about shareable content. I have like this box subscription that I subscribe to. It's Grove Collaborative. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it. But my favorite thing about Grove, besides the products, they're freaking amazing. But as a social media marketer and as as a marketer myself, you know, we're all about the experience is what we're talking about today. But they write on your box, like the last box that I got was like, Merry Christmas, have a great holiday season, Jen. And then I actually posted on social media my one from Halloween because I was like, oh my gosh, this is just, it's so sweet. I don't know what they said on the box, but it like moved me enough to actually take a picture of it and post about it. And so, you know, that kind of special surprise and delight is, you know, it's undervalued, unfortunately, by a lot of people. And so I just think it's such a monumental thing. A small thing being so monumental is just incredible. Um, well, I think, I think two keys to that, Jen, is number one, that doesn't cost anything other right. than a tiny bit of time, right? So yeah. it's almost free. And then the other thing is, I'm guessing that you just shared that organically. Nobody asked you to share it, right? Exactly. So if they're, if they're asking you to share it, it sort of takes away from the authenticity of it. But the yeah. best shareable content, you don't have to ask. You know, mm -hmm. think about listeners, think about the last time that you pulled out your phone to take a picture of something. Nobody told you to do 
do it. You just, it's like, that's how our minds are. Like, oh, I got to grab a picture of this. That's the kinds of experiences we want to create. I did the same thing recently, Jen. I was on an American Airlines flight and I'd gotten upgraded. And so, you know, somehow all the airlines have decided that in first class, we can still have alcohol, but in coach, we can't, which I think is a whole nother story. But I ordered a gin and tonic and they now have a partnership with Aviation Gym, Ryan Reynolds company. Oh, no way. So I get the little mini bottle of Aviation Gin and the tonic. And then on the napkin, the flight attendant has written, Dear Mr. Gingas, thanks so much for flying with us. Happy holidays and signed her name. It's like, this is awesome. So I take a picture of it and I tag both American and Aviation Gin. And sure enough, both brands responded to it, right? American responded back with like, oh, we're so proud of our employees, whatever. Aviation Gin, first they responded back saying something like, good choice of drink. But then (laughs) they responded a second time and this was hilarious. They responded a second time and they said, we just realized that your last name is and then they wrote G-I-N in caps, GIN, and then G-I-S-S. And so I wrote back and I said, well, it's a hard G, but I'm thinking of changing it now. <laughs> you know? So it was like this awesome banter back and forth. And you know, it's not a robot, right? You know, there's a person. Yeah. And so, we know who it is. He's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, outstanding. Well, I mean, like, let's ask the rhetorical question. Do I like aviation gin more or less now after that experience right oh, obviously well, yeah so and so more. and i'm talking about it right so that's the kind of stuff where it doesn't take a lot you know the flight attendant wrote on a few napkins and you know what to be fair i watched people most of the people just didn't do anything with a napkin right and maybe they didn't it didn't affect them at all but some guy who's got a decent number of followers on uh, twitter said you know what this is something i want to take a picture of and share and that's all it takes yeah yeah Oh, you gotta love it. Oh gosh, it just gets me so excited. I love it. That brand, Aviation Gen, anything Ryan Reynolds does, holy moly. He's just, oh, he's incredible. He's so incredible. Um, did but did you guys Gen- see the new movie that he's in? And I think it's Netflix, uh, Red Something or Other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with and the did rock. You- with the rock and yes. with Wonder Woman, yeah. <laughs> and did you notice there's a scene in which he pours himself a drink mm-hmm. and it's a bottle of aviation. They don't have the label <laughs> on it, but anyone who's had the bottle, like it's totally recognizable. Yeah. And I thought that was such a funny wink, wink moment. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta love him. You just gotta love him. He's amazing. He's grown so much. Okay. So going back to shareable. I'm so excited. Shareable is one of the tenets of your wiser framework, which is witty, immersive, shareable, extraordinary, and responsive. So can you help us dissect what makes something shareable and why it matters? I know we've talked a little bit about it, but let's dive deeper because this is so much fun. Well, let me start with what a friend of mine likes to say, which is that if you have to tell someone it's a selfie spot, it probably isn't. And the reason (laughs) is because selfies are spontaneous. That's the whole idea, right? So what shareable isn't is please follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and don't forget to use our hashtag and take a picture of your meal and share it with your friends. And like, we don't need all that instruction, right? And in fact, the more instruction we get, the less authentic it feels. So we don't do it. So the spontaneity piece is really critical. It's about getting people to want to pull out their phone. Now, that said, spontaneity doesn't happen by accident. 
it has to be strategically planned. And so as you're building the experience, you've got to sort of work in that moment where you know people are going to stop. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, I took my son to Fleming Steakhouse for his birthday. And we walked in and the first thing I will say, I was very impressed, is the Mater D handed him a, a physical birthday card that was signed by the staff. And I was like, Nice. That was pretty cool. I hadn't seen that before. Well, what was interesting is while we were enjoying our dinner, the discussion around the table turned into this anticipation. Even my younger daughter said, if they give us a birthday card, they're probably going to do something really cool for dessert, right? We're not going to get like a slice of cake and a candle. It's going to be something really cool. And I loved that that act of the card caused that anticipation. Sure enough, Fleming's does not disappoint. They come out with this beautiful box of handmade chocolates that's made in their kitchens. It's sitting on a plate and they've spelled out happy birthday and cocoa powder. And then the icing on the proverbial cake is instead of a candle, they have a sparkler because we all know that a sparkler is so much cooler than a candle. And I'm telling you, four people around the table, two adults, two kids, we all pull out our phones. Nobody tells us to do this. The adults then share to Facebook because that's what adults do. The kids share to Snapchat because that's what kids do. And boom, Fleming's has four positive shares about a single experience that they created. Now, if you start to dissect that, I don't think the chocolates and the sparkler are any more expensive than the cake and the candle. They're just different and they stand out. And so I love to use this one as a metaphor, particularly the candle versus the sparkler. You see, giving somebody a slice of cake and a candle is a lovely gesture. It's it, There's nothing wrong with it other than every restaurant does it. And so it isn't necessarily shareable because it's almost become expected. What's not expected is a box of chocolates and a sparkler. And so then that moment becomes shareable. So that's one of my favorite examples. With apologies to Ryan Reynolds, I want to give a different example, which happens to be of a different gin brand, which is called Sipsmith Gin. And with Sipsmith, they came to the U.S. They're a London-based gin. They came to the U.S. a few years ago. And I first tasted it at a summer festival in Chicago. And they had... They had this big pop-up booth. And what Sipsmith figured out is that most of the time when we taste alcohol in a grocery store, in a liquor store, whatever, they pour a little bit into a basically a little plastic shot glass and you're supposed to drink it. Now, for those of us that haven't been in college for a long time, this is not generally how we drink anymore, right? And then it's not a great way to taste, especially a spirit that you're going to end up mixing anyway. It's just, it's, you want to kind of taste it in the element. And so Sipsmith decided to create an experience that could also go into the immersive side of my structure in Wiser, which is the eye, where they invite you into the tent. There's a bartender dressed to the nines. He asks you, what kind of tonic do you want with your gin and tonic? Now, I was a bartender in the past. I actually didn't know about different types of tonics. So he educated me. Again, this has nothing to do with their brand, right? It's it's kind of a corollary, but he says, oh, there's Indian tonic and citrus tonic and Mediterranean tonic. And here's what they all taste like. Awesome. So I pick my tonic. I expect him to squeeze a lime in it and we're done. No, he sends me to the garnish bar where there is lime and also 15 other garnishes that I can choose from. Dried strawberries, peppercorn, different spices, all the stuff that honestly I would have never thought of putting in a gin and tonic. But what ha what they've done is they've created over a billion combinations that people get to create themselves. That's the immersive part. Now, what makes it shareable is the last station they send you to 
you can actually name your drink and they give you a little card and the most adorable tiny little clothespin that you can clip to your drink. And I watched everybody, including me, before anyone took a sip of their drink, they put it down on the table, they took out their phone and they took a picture of it because now it's my drink. I named it. Look, it's Dan's drink or whatever we called it, right? (laughs) That's what made it shareable. And at no point did they say, please follow us on Instagram and take a picture of your drink. They didn't have to. They created a moment that they knew people were going to share. Yes. Immersive experiences like that are so, are so incredible. Yeah. Well, and and just as a side note, I don't like gin or tonic and going to Barcelona and experiencing gin and tonic in that way that how they do it for you there is what has made me like (laughs) gin and tonic Amazing. just as a, as a side. Yeah. I love that example, Dan. That's amazing. So, so on the flip, why is it? So you all did that, right? My next question, okay, so businesses create shareable experiences every day. The customers actually aren't sharing, which is, I think I got that from your book. Why do you think that is? And we're going to talk about the flip of this later when customers do share and then the businesses don't take advantage of that. But what do you think? Well, I I would say I'm, I'm not, I think the two things you just said are contradictory. And so if they're creating shareable experiences and people aren't sharing, then they aren't shareable experiences. That's really the problem, ultimately. And let me dissect that a little bit. First of all, shareable doesn't have to be in social media. Shareable can be, I talk about it at a cocktail party, or I tell my friends and family, or I tell my colleagues at work, right? That's sharing as well. And that can equally powerful offline sharing. But if you think you've created a shareable experience and nobody's sharing, you should reevaluate the experience. Because again, there's got gotta be I wish I could tell you there's a magic button, right? And you just push the magic button and people share. It's kind of like that whole viral video thing. Like if I, if that yeah. if there was a secret, but again, there has to be this element. And the best way to think about it is when you do it yourself, because we all do it. We all pull out our phones to take pictures of stuff. Maybe we see, you know, I walk out in the springtime and there's one spot in my garden where a single flower comes every year and it is gorgeous. And I have no idea why there's only one, but it's always one. And what do I do? I take a picture of it and I share it because it's just beauty, right? So find a spot where you yourself would pull out your camera and be like, this is cool. Like, I just, I got to capture this. Even when I captured the picture of the sparkler, I didn't really know this, but our cameras are so good right now that like you can see each individual spark in the picture. It's a really cool picture. And so that's the kind of thing that I want to share out with somebody. Acts of kindness, as Jen was sort of saying, I think are are generally shareable because we don't get them very often. And so sadly, they're still surprising to us. But I think in a simple act of kindness goes a long way to people. And so the idea is it has to be intentional and strategic, but you might have to adjust it if people aren't sharing to the extent that you want. I think the companies that are not seeing the sharing are trying too hard and are probably giving too much instruction. So they're saying, well, we're giving everyone our hashtag. You know, we've got the Instagram logo and our and our handle on everything. Okay, but that's not the point, right? It doesn't happen by itself. You still have to create the type of experience that people want to share. And it's not about the instruction. I tell the funny example, I won't tell you the whole story right now, but when I was at Discover Card, we did a great great campaign that resulted in a ton of sharing, I put a hashtag on the campaign. And I remember, this is admittedly a number of years ago, but I remember getting the question, well, what if people don't know what to do with a hashtag? And my answer was, don't worry about them. That's not who we're talking to, right? The people who know will know and they will act. 
And that's okay. It doesn't matter that no, that everyone does it. It is okay that everyone isn't acting. It is that the people that we wanted to act are doing it. We talked about on our podcast experience this recently, a great example that Joey had at a hotel where the hotel had these beautiful views of, of the sunset from your room. And they kind of had this thing going where they had something on the window. I want to say it was a a sticker or something that kind of encouraged people to take a sunset selfie. Now, we had a little debate about this because I came back to that line about, well, if you have to tell someone it's a selfie, whatever, whatever. And so what we decided, we actually did the work for the hotel, not literally, but figuratively on the show. And what we decided was that the answer was that when people share their selfies, that's when the hotel should come in with a surprise and delight. Imagine if you share a selfie on Instagram and tag the hotel and 10 minutes later, someone's knocking on your door from room service with a free dessert. Oh my goodness, like that would blow my mind. I've had that but, happen. Yeah, it's great. And that's yeah. awesome when they do it, right? <laughs> but that's awesome. so much better than, hey, please take a picture of your sunset selfie and then tag us and whatever. Because it just, it's like takes all the air out of the balloon. So I don't know. I, hopefully that's answering your question. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it's unfortunately, there's no prescription other than to just sort of think through and think about the types of things you like to share. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I'm going to be even more interested to talk about the reverse and I have an example from yesterday. So we'll, we'll talk (laughs) about that, but we're going to take a brain break. I don't remember if we were doing brain breaks when you were on episode 44, but we'd like just to break it up a little bit. And so the question, given that we're about to enter a new year, I want to hear what everyone's most excited about starting anew in 2022. And I'll let Jen go first because she already saw the question. Jen, what are you, what are you looking most forward to? Um, you know, it's been a long year, 2021. And it's been, it's been a year of shifting for me personally. You know, Tim finally got a job here in Wichita after looking for two years. And now we live together. We got a cat and then now we got this new puppy. <laughs> and then, and I cannot believe all the animals are being quiet right now. <laughs> but but you know, as we settle, like we have our house figured out. We have his job figured out. We have the boys figured out. And now I'm really, really excited because I am starting a brand new job in a company that I really, really want to lay roots in. I want to be there for, uh, for a while. I take a lot of pride in this. If you guys, in case you didn't notice, I take a lot of pride in the city that I live in. I freaking love Wichita. And to come back to work in Wichita after not working here for years, I actually ran into a coworker accidentally the other night. I was like, mind blown about it. I was like, oh my God, this has to happen to me in like six years. <laughs> this is wild. It was amazing. Um, I had to keep my composure. It was crazy. And then to work in aviation in Wichita, Kansas is insane because Wichita is known as the aviation capital of the world. And so I'm just so stoked and to have already developed systems for what I'm going to be doing. And everyone's like, yeah, okay, let's do this. I just can't wait to start. I'm so ready to just go full blown on January 3rd. It's going to be great. I love it. I'm so happy for you. And I think that we should, a, a buzzword bingo for this show should be gin and aviation. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? So That's well, I'm just wondering, Jen, do you live in Wichita, Kansas by any chance? I might live in Wichita, Kansas. Man. What makes you think that? I don't know. It was just something that was going through my head. Yeah. Um, so I am also very excited. Uh, I had a really good 2021. My speaking business is growing and I'm very excited for 2022. But I 
I've decided to declare for me 2022 the year of no distractions. And that's kind of my New Year's resolution because one of the things, certainly when you work on your own, but also I think just in life, there's so much coming at us. And I get asked to do a lot of things. I get different business opportunities, hey, ways to expand my business or new revenue streams or whatever. And what I found is that because speaking is what I truly love, what I think I am the best at, and where I think I can make the most impact for people, I want to really laser focus on it next year and not worry so much about having a coaching business and a course and a doing this and doing that. Like those things won't go away, but I really want to be not distracted and really focus on the stuff that matters. And so I'm challenging myself to do that and to become better in all the facets of speaking and to really grow that part of the business. So we'll see. Check in with me in a couple of months to see how distracted I am, but I'm going to try <laughs> really hard not to be distracted. There's so many squirrels. Oh, <laughs> and how. <laughs> That's amazing, Dan. Um, Love it. Love it. Yeah. I've been so focused on the big things that I'm starting new that I haven't gotten that that dialed in to. So thanks for that, especially because you just reminded me that I need to also do some reflecting on. And I, it's like, whatever, it's just a date, right? You could do it at any time. I could start today, something that I, you know, rather than waiting until the first, but yeah, but I definitely like to do that at the end of the year, kind of reflect and then look, look forward. So yeah, for me, I'm not shutting down my company. I'm still going to be hosting events and podcasts and doing all that kind of stuff. But, and the reason, like you said, I decided where that's what brings me most joy, hosting podcasts, hosting events, interacting with people. You never know what someone's going to say. You can do all the preparation in the world. And then, you know, and then magic happens in a way that you don't expect it. And I love that. And that's part of the reason. What's that? Come quiet. You said you never know what people are going to say. So I just said a random word for you. (laughs) Clever. I love it. So meetings and events has been my main vertical for years. You know, I used to plan events and I worked in production and you might not know that about me, Dan, but yeah. So, and like you, I kind of for marketing, just in marketing sake became a little bit of a hamster wheel for me as well. So I'm excited to hone in on with one mission, one vision, you know, helping, helping clients create remarkable experiences really. So yes, yeah, so I'm excited about that, but I'm going to be doing some reflecting over the next few days, lots of rain and soon to be snow here in Northern California um, That's right. over the next week. So I'll look out on the snow, snowy. I won't be in it because too cold, but <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> awesome. All right, Jen, it. let's kick off the second half. Go gladly. All right. So 75% of people don't believe in brand advertising, but 92% believe recommendations from a friend. Do you think this is because it's easier to track return on a marketing spend versus word of mouth? And do you have any suggestions for tracking shared content that leads to sales? That's a great question. I, I hadn't necessarily thought of it from that perspective. You know, where this starts is, is trust. And I think a lot of, we we do have a trust problem, especially in the United States. People don't trust the government. People don't trust media. uh, People don't know who to trust. And so one of the places that I think they turn is to companies because we've done business with them for many years. They've held our money safe. They've held our data safe, you know, whatever. So we, we place our trust in companies. Now, at the end of the day, though, when we're choosing who to do business with, what we don't really trust is advertising. Because we understand we're smart. You know, consumers are smart enough to know they're being marketed to. We don't really trust the CEO uh, because that, you know, 
as just as a person, we we expect the CEO is going to kind of give us the company line. We trust a little bit more a Joe Average uh, employee. So somebody who just happens to work for the company and be sort of a proud employee, that is very trustworthy. But the persons, the people that we trust the most are really people that are independent of the company, and that is their customers and, and people that say, hey, you know, I just went to this restaurant. The food was amazing. The service was incredible. You're like, sign me up. But if it's the restaurant owner saying, oh, yeah, come to our restaurant. The food is incredible. The service is great. Okay, that that's good, too. But really, I want to know that my good friend went because I trust their judgment. And so that's why it's really important. As for tracking it, you make a really good point that word of mouth can be very difficult to track. The best advice I can give there is to always ask people how you found out about us. I do the same thing. When I get called for a speaking gig, I ask people, where did you find me? Did you Google me? Did you see me speak somewhere else? Did you read one of my blogs? Did you listen to my podcast? Did you watch my live show? Because I am mentally trying to figure out what's the most, especially as I'm looking at not having distractions, where should I be investing my time, right? Should I be doing more live shows and more podcasts or is that not doing the trick, right? right. So I always make sure to ask people. And, I, and when you ask, it's not like it's an uncomfortable question. People will tell you the answer. And so- even if you're a restaurant or a retailer, hey, what brings you in today? How did, well, you know, who told you about us? And start to document the answer to that. And that's the best kind of tracking you're going to get. It's not going to be as good as your digital marketing tracking, but you will start to find trends about what's working. A lot of companies will tell you, oh, I, or, uh, you know, that their Google reviews become a really important part that, I mean, and again, think of it from a consumer perspective. Before you buy almost anything, you look at the reviews, right? right. I mean, I do. And so we know reviews are a, a big piece of it. But just ask. Anytime you don't know the answer to a question that a customer has the answer to, just ask. So simple. It is. And I guess I was thinking more of it from a executive perspective, you know, because they, a lot of C-suite folks just look at the data, just look at the numbers. They don't yeah. quite understand so that brand recognition. Of, yeah. 75% of people that walked into our restaurant this month said that they walked in because a friend recommended. Pretty powerful. So I'm with you, right? You, if you're going to try, if you're trying to convince the C-suite for why customer experience is important, you better be coming with numbers because yeah. that's all they care about. It's yeah. not, and and I I get so frustrated when people think that customer experience or customer service is a quote unquote soft skill. It is. It directly drives the bottom line, and it's up to us yeah. to prove that. And so, if you are asking people, write it down, put it into a number, and then give them a stat like that that's going to blow them away. Yeah, I had restaurant clients for years, six and a half years, and they like had the ability, but they just didn't. Getting them to execute on how they walked in just wasn't happening because they were saying to me, well, how do I know that they're here because of social media? So I said back to them, well, do you know now why they've walked in? Did you know before you started doing social media why they walked in, whether it was just because they were walking by or word of mouth? And they said no. And I'm like, OK, well, there you go. <laughs> Let's put a process <laughs> in place to track it. But then it gets very difficult and for restaurants to, you know, with the busyness and all that kind of stuff. But to me, is just excuses, right? But yeah, so interesting. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Right. We oftentimes we don't have the data because we're not bothering to collect it. We're just not. We're right. not asking the right questions or whatever it is. And again, it, I find that customers are more than willing to give you feedback, to answer your questions, you know, to provide that data. You just have to ask. For sure. Well, this is a whole other thing. When you have the data, you have to do something with it. 
So that's yeah, it. so great point. And I work with a couple of one of my uh, one of my clients is uh, Get Feedback, which is a company that's owned by SurveyMonkey. They're now called Momentive. See if you can track all of that. And what they talk about is there's really three steps: there's collecting feedback, analyzing feedback, and acting on feedback. And you have to do all three of those things. Otherwise, you know, collecting the the problem is we often companies either don't collect feedback at all, or if they collect it, they feel like the action is putting it into a report. And let me tell you, that same executive already has plenty of reports on his or her desk. They don't need another report. And so if that's all you're doing with your feedback is turning it into a report, it's worthless. You have to figure out where to take action on it. So if customers are saying this and you're just reporting that they're saying this and you're not acting on whatever this is, and usually that's going to be in the form of, we love this, do more of this, or we hate this, stop doing this. Right. Or we wish you were doing this, please start doing this. It's about taking action. For sure. Yeah. I mean, in the meetings and events industry, it's it's a lot of the data, the data, the data. And then, then yeah, then it comes to what are you doing with, are you even acting on it? And the answer most often is we have so much data, <clears throat> we don't know what to do with it, which is bananas to me. So let's talk a little bit about missed opportunities. I mentioned this earlier. I see brands often, because I, I am like you, like Jen, like our listeners, I am posting, um, and I have a good example. Yesterday, I um, was at a winery um, doing a little tasting as my friend was picking up her wine club bottles. And he he put the glass, I was taking a picture, which was very artsy. He didn't really know what I was doing, but then he turned my glass sideways. So like it was a, a glass with Prosecco in it and he put it sideways in the, and the liquid stayed in it. You know, of course, you have to have a certain amount of liquid to make that magic happen. <laughs> if yeah. you have too much, it's not going to. But point being, I posted it like I do and tagged the business. And 95% of the time, I would say businesses do nothing. They don't act on it. Obviously, that's a, a missed opportunity. So how can it be driven home to companies that that material is some of the best possible stuff that they can be sharing um, to use in their own marketing and to show that that they're shareable? Well, you are touching on the are in Wiser, which is responsive. And it absolutely blows my mind how many companies ignore customers on social media. And I'm not talking about customer service questions. I'm actually talking about what I call the brand lovers. And these are people that are taking time out of their day and using up their own social capital to say something nice about you. And, you know, to come back to my business example, I always give is, you know, if I get off the stage and I'm I'm walking out of the room and somebody comes up to me and says, Dan, that was the most amazing speech. It was my favorite one of the event. And I just keep walking. Like, <laughs> well, that's pretty rude, right? And yet that's exactly what companies are doing every day on social yep. media. And so I am a big proponent that you have to respond to everyone, including yeah. and even especially your brand lovers. The problem is that companies aren't set up to do that. So the customer service team for example, is only used to handling complaints. That's what they've been doing forever. I actually advise companies and I advise my clients that you should have the customer service team and not, sorry, community managers, not a community manager do it. Because if you allow a customer service person to actually interact with happy customers, it makes them much better at being a customer service agent when they're dealing with the angry customers. Can you imagine being an agent that all you do is answer the phone every day to an angry customer? Like, you know, when it's right. ringing, you're going to pick it up and someone on the other end is going to be angry. I mean, what does it do to a person? And so if you give them the joy of being able to interact with people who are happy, 
you're going to make them a whole lot better at their jobs. But more importantly, as you go back to the aviation gin example, regardless of what I thought of aviation gin before that, I mean, let's face it, I didn't have a choice. This is the gin they gave me on the airplane. But now I love the brand because they engaged with me. And so they they created an advocate. And it wasn't hard. It wasn't expensive. They just have a person doing it behind the scenes but it is so worth the investment. Um, another one that uh, did not make the book, but I absolutely loved is I've been engaging with Skittles on Twitter and they are amazing. So Love it. I, like many people in the world, was very disappointed with the Skittles brand when they, a number of years ago, took out the lime green piece and replaced it with the disgusting, horrible green apple piece. Now, of course, there's lots of people that think the exact opposite that I do. But I had commented a couple of times on this over the years. And uh, at some point, I posted something like, so when's the green apple experiment going to be over? And (laughs) I get a response back that says, how's Wednesday? And I'm like, what? And Wednesday comes along, And Skittles announces, and they tag me and everybody else that has been mentioning this, that they are coming out with an all-lime package of Skittles, limited edition. (laughs) And so I'm like, and of course, I know this isn't true because I, I, whatever, but it feels like they did it just for me. You know, like if I hadn't (laughs) tweeted, they wouldn't have done it. And that's the feeling that you want to create as a brand, right? That, That that one customer is so important, you know, that we would do this for you. And they later, by the way, decided, finally, to make the decision that they're bringing lime back into the normal original box and, and doing away with the green apple. But the every time I tag Skittles, I just tagged them the other day. I was on a Twitter chat with Madeline Sklar, and they were, we were talking about brands that are engaging in social media, and I tagged Skittles. And boom, 30 seconds later, Skittles is in on that conversation. And so yeah. do you think that makes me like them more or less? I mean, so this stuff absolutely works and it is a little bit, sometimes it's a little bit more hunt and peck than marketers like, you know, because you're sort of interacting with people one at a time versus en masse, but that's how you create brand fans and brand lovers that are going to be with you forever. Yeah. That's totally where the magic is for sure. It really is. And I got to tell you, I completely wrote off posting about Starbucks years ago. And I will say it. it's because of this. It's because every time I did post about them or tag them or whatever, nothing. I got nothing from them. And so this is kind of when I started going to local coffee shops only and tagging them and they write back and spinning up my love for Wichita and supporting local and all that kind of stuff. Thanks, Starbucks. Wait, you live in you live in Wichita? <laughs> tell me more. Oh. <laughs> Why would I live there? It's only amazing. <laughs> I love it. Well, I actually think Starbucks <laughs> is a fascinating brand, which I love. And I'm even a, a shareholder of a pretty small shareholder, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I own some stock because I love the brand. But you're right. I would yeah. say social media is not their strong suit. But let's look at what does make them such a great brand in terms of being shareable. You know, there's it starts with the fact that everything's personalized, that you can order your drink your way anyway you know there's a zillion combinations of drinks and and if they haven't already made it i'm sure you can come up with one that they haven't made and they'll make it for you the (laughs) second thing is they're not just putting your name on the cup because they can't remember your name it's not just for them it's for you because everybody loves to see their name in print and and there's a feeling there's an endorphin rush when you see your name and particularly what they do really well is they ask you your name And so this is really important because, Jen, I know you can relate to this. Megan, you probably can too, but Jen and I especially, because 
When I log into my bank, it says, good morning, Daniel. And they think that's being personalized. Now, to me, there's only one person in the world that calls me Daniel. It's my mother and only when she's mad at me. So I don't want to be called Daniel, right? It's just like if I'm walking down the street and someone calls me Danny, I immediately know they, they I went to high school with them because only people in high school called me Danny, right? But the <laughs> point is someone that says, good morning, Daniel, I know they don't know me. Right. So that's like, you've just, you've, you've totally blown the chance to be personalized. And so Starbucks, yes, they know me at this point. I go in enough, right? But <laughs> there's an intention behind asking your name. Because today you might be Jen and tomorrow you might be in a Jennifer mood and you're just going to say, my name's Jennifer and that's what you're going to write on the cup, right? Whatever, or Jenny or whatever it is. But the important part is, is that they ask. Yeah, they do. And, and I have to say one more thing about them because I did I did have a positive. I just don't go around thinking brands. Um, and I do drink their PSL free and love. It's the only one I can handle, but I don't post about it. <laughs> but, okay, so, but recently they did this really bad ass, sorry, my badass partnership with Taylor Swift, like when she came out with her Red album and then they, you know, had that I'm going to order the Taylor thing at Starbucks. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. I love Taylor Swift so much. I will pronounce it. I didn't know I loved them a few years ago and, uh, until I went to her concert. And then I was like, oh my God, I am a Swifty. <laughs> Who knew? Think about the, uh, the um, what was it called? Unicorn Frappuccino. Yeah. Right. Was uh, was that you talk about go back to shareable, Megan, right? Like mm -hmm. this drink had it had the FOMO. It had the beauty of being Instagram ready. It yep. had a limited edition like it had all of the pieces of a shareable. It's a drink for crying out loud. And yet unbelievable shares. Right. And so it just it had all of the components. But I am with you, Jen. I have tagged Starbucks as well. I don't believe I've ever gotten a comment from them. And yeah. I'd love to because they are a brand that I love. And you feel the, to me, you feel the love back in your local store. Yeah. But I'd love to feel sure. the love back from the bigger brand. Absolutely. All right, Dan, I have like one quick question before we before we wrap up and ask our favorite question to ask at the end, which I won't spoil. <laughs> so quickly, why do you think it is that people are more influenced by brands with higher levels of visibility and air quote social clout? Like, you know, shareable content is a high indicator of social clout. Does it all stem from the urge to be a part of something? Yes, I think so. This is going to depend on the audience though, right? I don't think my parents care at all about social clout. Not one bit, right? They're yeah. not on any social media channel. I can't even get my mom to get onto Facebook. Doesn't want to do it, right? So nice. depending on your audience, this may or may not be important. However, do my parents like to have a really nice experience when they go out to a restaurant? You bet. Do my parents like when people are, you know, have a sort of surprising acts of kindness? You bet. But they're going to share it in a different way. They're going to tell their kids. They're going to tell their friends. They're going to, yeah. you know, whatever, go, go out to dinner with people and talk about it then. And so I don't want people to get totally locked into social media has to be the vehicle. It just happens to be for a large group of people. I think yeah. in particular, younger population, millennials and Gen Z, but but let's face it, they've influenced Gen Xers as well. Um, and 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 so we, we wanted in on the game as well. But there's something about, the way that I look at it is, so when I was a kid, if I really liked a brand, I wrote him a letter. Now I'm not that old, Aww. but ultimately there was no other how how else would you communicate with a brand, you know, when I was a kid. There wasn't any way. So I'd write him a letter. I remember 
to this day, writing a letter to Dan and yogurt and telling them that it, that it was my favorite yogurt. Uh-huh. And uh, the only problem with it for me as a little kid was that their uh, containers were too big and I couldn't finish it all. Sure enough, by the way, years later, they came out with a little four packs of the minis. I still think yeah. they owe me royalties on that, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But I got a letter back from them and it had stickers in it and it had a coupon that I could give to mom and like and I was like oh my gosh am I a VIP like I felt (laughs) I love this brand because they engaged with me right so that's really what's going on in social as well is that when Skittles with their blue check mark engages with little old me I just feel important I feel like it like it it just feels good and I think every brand has that opportunity, whether you have the check mark or not, doesn't really matter. But when a brand singles out a customer, Dan or Jen or Megan, and says, hey, we love you too, or just talks to me, it makes me feel good and it makes me love the brand more. And so I think social has given us the opportunity. I always like to say social media is the first and only marketing channel where people can talk back to you. And if you think about (laughs) that for a second, it's true. But that's the beauty of social media is that people can talk back to you. We can have a conversation with our customers in a way that was never possible before other than writing a letter. And so the only thing that brands have to remember is that a conversation is a two-way street. And so if I'm just talking to myself, at some point, I'm not tagging that brand anymore because I'm only talking to myself. If they're talking back to me, I'm going to tag them more often because I know they're going to talk back to me and I feel like I have a friend. And that's exactly Exactly. what we're trying to achieve. Yep. Absolutely. No doubt. I love that. That was great to, to sort of end on, but we do have one final question. And that is we love for our guests to share a good business book. It can be new or it can just be something that still um, is, is relevant for you. What you got? I got a new one for you. Uh, and I don't know if you know this guy at all or not, but the book that I wanted to share is called Big Little Breakthroughs from Josh Linkner, How Small Everyday Innovations Drive Oversized Results. Josh is a fellow keynote speaker. Uh, he's been at it a long time. He's amazing. He talks about innovation. But this book is really about the little things and focusing on little innovations. And I love that because it's a great way to improve your customer experience as well. Is it doesn't customer experience doesn't have to be a multi-year, multi-million dollar transformational project. It's really a way of thinking. It's a culture shift. It's about looking at every decision through a customer lens and making little changes. So I thought this was really cool. He's a very funny writer. He's a great storyteller. So it was definitely one of my favorite books of 2021. And it just came out a couple of months ago. Cool. Fabulous. Yeah, we'll definitely, we'll include a link to that in the show notes for the episode. In addition to a link to The Experience Maker, um, Dan's latest book, I'm sure everyone can tell who just listened to this episode that there's a lot of really good stuff uh, to be learned from from Dan um, in general and in this book specifically. So thanks so much for being with us for our last episode of 2021. (laughs) Happy to be the closer. Thanks for having me and uh, happy holidays, happy new year. And uh, here's to more great experiences in 2022. Exactly. Thanks so much, Jen. And thanks, Jen. On to bigger and better, right? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really, oh my gosh, am I ever excited for you, Megan? Holy cow. This is is what a happy ending to a year, right? This is amazing. 100%. 100%. Let's all meet in Wichita next year. Let's do it, Dan. Yeah. It's such a cute town. You should really go if you Please have Please come visit so me. Awesome. <laughs> okay, friends. This has been episode 96 
of the Making a Marketer podcast, and we will catch you next time.